But the weather couldn't keep you from church today. But wait till tomorrow. We're back to... Hi there. <laughs> Just like your mother. Wait till tomorrow. We'll be back to winter. Um, Kathy will share about this afternoon. But what we're going to do today... Abe's gone and, and uh, I have a video. And... Uh, we're going to go through at least half of it, but it's, it's a worship video. And what we're going to do is I want you just to sit down. Just don't go to sleep. Okay. And, uh, it's, and it's from Bethel, and it's, 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 it's excellent. So, um, but what I'd like to do, let's stand up this morning, and let's do our, our confession. Amen? Oh, God... You are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. Thus will I bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Amen. You may be seated.
You have no right, and you have no. Right. 
Jesus, we worship your beautiful name this morning. We glorify you. We honor you. Wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Now, I want to do some things before Kathy comes. Last week, there was a strong anointing here, and and the Spirit of God led us to, I wanted to pray for family. So if you weren't here last week, I want to pray for your family, if you'd come. Amen? If you weren't here, you should know if you were not here. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Glory to God. Look at your neighbor and say, were you here? God wants to do a work in families this year. Amen. He wants to bless your marriages. He wants to bless your, your jobs, your employment. You just need to expect the favor of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, today we thank you. We thank you for spirit of grace for leading us this day. Thank you. The good work that you've begun in these families, Lord, you will finish that good work. And we're believing, Lord, 2022 is about them, Father, and their families. And so, Father, we release the anointing of God today to say, be blessed, Lewan family, in the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus Christ, we loose that anointing this day. Bless the Lewan family. In Jesus' name, everyone, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and your mercy for them. Father, bless her and bless her family. In the name of Jesus. There's a hunger in you. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Lord, for that spiritual hunger this year, even increasing more and more in Jesus' name. Father, bless the Steiner family, all of them. Amen. Every one of them. Oh, thank you, Lord God. You're the God that opens up an effectual door, Father, for the word to go forth, be preached and ministered. Lord, give them favor that surrounds them as with the shield. Bless them, spirit, soul, and body, and financially. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Bless the carpenter girls. Amen. Bless every member, Father. We release that anointing, Father, for this year, what you want to do in their lives. Every area, Father. Oh, Lord, growth and expansion. Expand their sphere of influence in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for blessing him, his family, in every area, Father. Use him in the days ahead, Father, to glorify your son in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 They made it to the front. You're out of the hospital. Father, we loose that anointing. 
in the name of Jesus to bless the Belts family. Thank you, Lord, for blessing their seed and their seed seed. In the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father, for your goodness and mercy for them, Father. This year, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, is there anybody here with your issues with your neck today? The anointing of God was on my neck. Anybody with a neck issue? Neck, neck, necks. Now, when, you know, that's a, that's a, a word of knowledge, but it's a, it's a healing gift too, I believe. And so, um, you just need to expect to receive today that anointing to wash over that neck and all that pain and stiffness to go in the name of Jesus for healing is in the name. Lord, let all that pain, stiffness, tenderness go in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father. We loose that anointing today in Jesus' name. We loose that healing anointing to flow into that neck in the name of Jesus. Lord, let, re, re, let her neck relax. Every ligament, every tendon, every muscle, every joint in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for that healing anointing loose today in that neck. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. We thank you, Father. Lord, let her body be relaxed, every tendon, muscle, ligament. We thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <clears throat> Praise you, Lord. Kathy, you want to come? While they're being dismissed, if you want to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. While you're doing that, let me give you a couple quick announcements. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, prayer. Make that a priority. Um, Next Saturday from 12 to 2 in the Fellowship Hall is the Convention Estate Celebration Dinner. And meeting, if you need more information on that, you can talk to Steve after the service. In the back on the bulletin board, there is a poster about the Patriots United Symposium that's coming on March 12th. You can read that and get that information. We'll be promoting that more in the days ahead. Uh, But this afternoon at 2 o'clock from about 2 to 4, right here is the Patriots United are sponsoring the Mind Polluters movie, documentary, whatever you call it. Um, let me read you a scripture. In, in, uh, in Ephesians, where am I at? I lost it. It's in Ephesians here. Hold on. Ephesians. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devils, the schemings of the devils. And that's what we're dealing with. That's what that's dealing with. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. And the one thing you do not want to do, one of the most dangerous places to be, is to not understand or know what the enemy's doing. And one of the most susceptible to that are conservative people because they think it can't happen here. And it is happening here. And so we need to have understanding. It's not comfortable. But it's information we need to know and understand. So if you can attend that, that that's good. That's from... Yeah, if you have kids in the public school or going to be in the public school, actually kids in today's culture, you know, so or grandkids, or it affects all of us. So I would just encourage you to take part of that. Um, no one under 19 can come, so um, just be aware of that. So that's today at 2 o'clock. We're going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. I'm going to teach you just a little, go over a little bit in Second Corinthians chapter 9. A couple weeks ago, we talked about tithe. There's three scriptural ways to give. Tithes, that's 10% of your increase into the storehouse. To me, very simply, it's just of all comprehensive, very high-end insurance policy. Because it says when you tithe, the devourer is rebuked. You know, your insurance companies can pay you back when something happens, but God can keep it from happening. And so the tie, and we need to learn to stand on that. And then there's offerings. Offerings is what you sow above and beyond the tithe. And I think the best scripture that talks about offerings is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll start in verse 5. It says, therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand. That's, that's key there. Prepare it ahead of time. Be prepared. When you had previously promised that it would be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. That's important there also. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully or with blessings. So let each one gives as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So this, these three scriptures tell you a lot about sowing offerings. In verse 7, so let each one gives as he purposes in his heart. The tithe they tell, tells us it's 10%, but the offering is up to you. It's what you have in your heart, what you can sow cheerfully, happily. And it says, don't, don't, um, see. Oh, in verse five, it says, not as of a grudging obligation. I never will give to somebody that tries to wring it out of me because they're trying to control my giving and not God. When you give an offering, it should be what's in your heart. What's in your heart? What God, God, the Holy Spirit lives in you. God can speak to your heart. And so don't be coerced into giving. Give what you can give what's in your heart because then you can give it joyfully. And the other thing that helps you give it joyfully is preparing it ahead of time. If it's just a little bit every week, lay, a, lay aside $5, $10, what you can do. 
And then when it comes time and there's opportunity to give, as in a few weeks ago when we received the offering for the church in Tilden, it was prepared ahead of time and then we can give it joyfully. And when we do that, then we'll go on verse 8 and says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you when you do those things that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work as it is written he is dispersed abroad he is given to the poor his righteousness endures forever now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality so if the tithe is a great insurance policy what this offering is is your investment so people are ingrained to to put money into their retirement accounts week after week month after month and let that investment grow but there's a spiritual side of that when you sow seed when you sow offering that you've got to look at it as a seed and if anybody should understand the principles of sowing and reaping it should be people in the midwest You don't go out and sow one corn seed and expect to reap a good harvest. You sow continually and consistently. And it talks about uh, cast your bread upon the water and it will come back in every wave. And the thing you have to understand, God knows your need even ahead of time. So as a church, for years and years and years and years, we sowed seed. And we, we survived. We were paid our bills and and that's a good thing but when the flood came all of a sudden the waves just started coming in on us that had been stored up and it just came from every direction you had to be here to experience it so we had like it would have cost us probably two hundred and fifty thousand dollars if labor included and it just came and we never asked for it because because yeah and we're out of debt because We had sowed seed continually, 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 and God knew when we were going to need it, and it came back to us. So you're sowing, you're offering above and beyond. That is the seed you sow for the harvest. And you have to understand, this is one thing people don't understand. When you sow your seed in April, on April 5th, you don't harvest it on April 6th. It takes a period of time, you know, and some seed produces fast. Some seed, you know, um, you sow your lettuce and spinach, it's a couple weeks, but your corn and your pumpkins, it, it takes a period of time. And so you have to look, begin to think about your finances in that same way with that investment and sowing principle. And, and it talks about he who supplies seed to the sower. He supplies seed to the one that sows the seed. So, and then it'll over and over and over. As you sow, then more seed comes back. So when you have an increase, always take a portion of that and sow it. Because that's your, but he, he expects you to use what you have to pay your bills and those things. But take a portion of your seed to sow. You know, the old farmers, the old timers, they had these they're called corn dryers, and they would take the best corn and they'd keep it on there for the next year so they would have seed to sow. And we have to think of that in that way when we deal with our finances because God wants you blessed, he wants your family blessed, and he wants the people around. Now, we, you know, 
when you sow to Harvest Church, you can sow offerings at any time beyond your tithe. But we try to give you opportunities to sow, like we did with Tilden, like we do with this gentleman that's coming in March to minister about children's ministry. Those are opportunities to sow, and you always want to sow into good soil. You want to sow into soil that is a good steward of your seed. In other words, it's something that will sow and produce a harvest, that kind of soil, the one that is a good steward financially. So those are just things concerning offering. And we'll talk about, and next we'll talk about alms. So when you sow, when you give your offering, your tithes and your offerings, do it in faith because you have the word of God to stand on. And God wants you blessed, and he wants you to be a blessing. Ushers, you can go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Amen. How many of you uh, received the book? Let me see, raise, raise your hand. How many of you did not get this book? One, two, three, four. Okay. We'll order some more. This is your textbook for the year. And uh, some of you, I'm sure, if you've started to read it, it's by Rick Joyner, a prophet. He prophet to prophets. A very seasoned man of God. You remember... Um, <clears throat> Jim Baker and PTL, some of you young ones, well, and remember what happened there. God spoke, the Spirit of God spoke to this man to go and, and buy that property, and develop it, and uh, is using it, I believe, to this day. And uh, I was blessed to have the Christensen family give me this. I've had other books in my library by him. The one I have is Two Trees in the Garden years ago. But this book... When I read this, it really touched my heart. And it's very prophetic, and it's where we're at as a church today. We're called Harvest Church for a reason. And so I invite you to read that. In fact, I'm going to read to you again one more time out of this book this morning. And uh, I'd like to have you look in your, your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to have you look to two scriptures, and then that'll be it. And then you just need to 
to listen. I'm really letting you relax today. You got to sit down when we worshiped, and, and I'm going to read to you today. Just don't go to sleep. Amen. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, The harvest truly is what? Plentiful. But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4 and verse 34. This is where Jesus ministered to the woman, Samaritan woman at the well. Kind of read her mail. And... uh, Beginning in verse 34, his disciples had come back meanwhile and, and with supposedly with food to eat. And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they're already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. That both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you've not labored. Others have labored and you've entered into their labors. I, I'm, I think about this. as I don't know if I shared this with you. When I was working, helping this gentleman with his estate, I found a book. And it was a, a book of Nebraska history, and it was from the turn of the, the 20th century, early 1900s or late 1800s. And in it was every settler in the area. And I thought to myself, I'm just going to look up and see if my family name's in there. And sure enough, there was a gardener. And it gave the background and where the family came from, which is exactly when I did a gene- genealogical study, is the same area. So I know this gentleman. And it talked about how he worked them in, in, this is when the Indians were around here, roamed the plains, and it was, it was a wild area, and it was, a lot of it was, I think it was in the Tilden Meadow Grove area, and it was United Brethren Ministries, and uh, he, he ministered all over, but it talked about how, about how he led people to Christ, and I, I read that, and I think about those that went before us, that did the groundwork, that plowed the ground. So those that come later, it won't be so tough. Not that it's been easy, but there have been people out there that have sowed. She talked about sowing. They sowed seed and they plowed the ground, so today it's a lot easier to reap a harvest, and we're coming into that. Amen? Now, I'm going to review here just a couple things, and then I'm going to read to you uh, a, a chapter. We said last time, between now and the end of the age, more people will come to know Jesus than have from, than from Pentecost until this time. We said this harvest will exceed every previous outpouring of the Spirit in one profound way. Jesus will be preached as Lord and not just Savior. During this harvest, the gospel will change from come and be saved to bow the knee. He's king. Every believer has a specific job to do. 
Every believer. How many of you believe in Jesus? Then you have a specific job to do. We've all been called for a purpose. The Lord wants every person whose name is written in his book of life to see his own name written, to know that he's known by him, and to see clearly his plan for his life. We said to be numbered in this army will require training and spiritual discipline, exceeding the physical and mental discipline required of elite military units. That's quite a statement. You ex-military people, did you get some training? Yeah, we got a Marine here. What were you? Navy? Army? You were trained. And there's special branches within each one of those. The Marines and the, the Navy SEALs, you know, the Rangers that, that are tough. And uh, I think we got some work to do. If we're going to match them spiritually the way they were physically. But we've got we've to do the best we can. We've got to work towards that. Amen. We said in the near future, the church will not be looking back at the first century church with envy because of the great exploits of those days. But all will be saying that he certainly did save his best wine for last. We said how long it will take for the body of Christ to mobilize and become the army it is called to be is yet to unfold. But it can happen first. The greatest revival, the greatest awakening the world has yet known will soon break forth all across the earth. It's time for the greatest mobilization to start if we're going to be ready for this wave of revival. See, I believe that. We walk by faith and not by sight. He says the magnitude of this harvest will ultimately astonish even the most optimistic believers. Congregations of less than 100 will be adding 1,000 believers a week for periods of time. Oh, yeah, amen, Uh uh-huh. Yeah, and there's a preacher trying to get an elite troop raised up. Wow. Meetings which begin spontaneously will stir entire cities. Oh, I believe it. Meetings, uh, it says, meetings which begin spontaneously will stir entire cities, continuing until they fill the largest stadiums night after night. Previously popular sports events will be abandoned in many regions for lack of interest. Except in Nebraska. Whole towns with populations of thousands will swarm upon neighboring towns to evangelize them. See, when I read that, don't, don't you, isn't it right here? You get stirred. It's, it's like your head goes, wow. But your spirit goes, yes. The news media will be dominated by the harvest until they have fanned the flames throughout the world. Now, this was written in 1987, folks. News teams will follow apostles like national leaders recording great miracles, which will be shown with... God, just read that. It just affects me. I believe it. Recording great miracles which will be shown with unabashed enthusiasm. Some of these individual broadcasts will result in more conversions than Christian networks have seen during their entire existence. This is not a negative reflection about the work Christian networks have accomplished, but a reflection of the magnitude of what is coming. Large cities will experience periods of zero crime. 
as their populations come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. See, now in the old days when Maria Woodworth Edder would minister, regions and towns miles away would fall under the power of God, slain in the Spirit. It wasn't that there was a preacher there preaching to them. It was the Spirit of God being poured out. Amen? Uh, she said, or he says, uh, pornography, prostitution, illegal drugs, abortion, drunkenness will cease to exist in many areas without the passage of a single law. Large factories and businesses will shut down for days at time, at a time so their employees can attend special meetings. Can you see Nucor doing that? Whole nations will give themselves to periods of prayer and fasting. The inflow of new believers will be so great in places that relatively new believers will find themselves leading large congregations. Some churches will be dividing every few months, not because of conflicts, but because their growth is so great, they must keep the size down to what is manageable with each split resulting in the birth of new congregations. The Lord will be continually on the minds of the people. Coffee breaks, lunch breaks, siestas will become Bible studies and prayer meetings. Cities will sponsor bonfires for burning pornography, witchcraft, astrological paraphernalia and illegal drugs. Warlocks, witches, mediums and even mafia chieftains will be bowing the knee to Jesus and entering into salvation with great joy. Street gangs will be sending Bibles and gifts to one another. Now, Mario Morello, they're experiencing, they're getting saved in California. Out of these gangs. And prisons will become churches that will give the body of Christ some of its greatest teachers. Did you hear that? See, he's, an, he's a miracle. You know, and we whine because of certain little things in our lives. Well, look at him. Look at Laura, where they came, what they came out of. You can't tell me there's not a God. He says, uh, miracles which exceed even some of the most spectacular biblical marvels will cause whole nations to acknowledge Jesus. Leaders of some of the most powerful communist countries will be openly confessing the Lord and exhorting their people to follow him. The visible glory of the Lord. Now think of, think of Exodus. Remember how God led them? Uh, a pillar of fire, a cloud. The visible glory of the Lord will appear upon some for periods of time and this glory will heal everyone it touches. The pillar of fire that led Israel will not even compare to the intense presence of the Lord in these days. The appearance of angels. Now this is, this blows my mind. The appearance of angels will be so common that they will cease to be related as significant events. The Lord himself will appear to councils of apostles and elders to give them directives. This will impart 
courage and peace that will astonish and gain the respect of even the most vehement opposition. Never has the Lord been as personal and intimate with his people as he will be in these days. Believers will be in awe continually, wondering each day what great new things they will see. One of the most extraordinary characteristics of the harvest will be the youthfulness of the laborers. Teenagers will be the backbone of the revival, and preteens will be some of its greatest evangelists. <laughs> Young children will cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead, and divert raging floods with a word. Either you serve a supernatural God or you don't. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Some will actually take dominion over entire hospitals and mental institutions, healing every patient in them by laying hands on the buildings. Some of you are going, what was he smoking? No, he wasn't smoking anything. It was the Spirit of God. It just didn't that blow your mind? During the harvest, the world will understand, and he quotes Isaiah 8, 8.18, the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders. What a wonderful declaration for you to speak over your kids. The children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders. He says, as the light of the gospel is shining so brightly, much of the world will be in its deepest darkness. There will be regions where the peace and love of the Lord will reign, and these will become fortresses from which the church will go out and attack the fear and paranoia sweeping the rest of the earth. Great defeats will follow great victories, and great victories will follow defeats. Large cities will be under almost the complete dominion of the Lord. Others will be almost completely in the grip of an evil more terrible than we may presently be able to comprehend. The Lord will never have moved in such great power, but neither will the enemy have ever been so desperate. At the end of the vision, both light and darkness will increase throughout the entire earth. We must be prepared for this conflict. There will be martyrs during the harvest. In places, the church will be almost completely wiped out. Even so, the lives of these martyrs will be seed for a harvest in that same place. The places where the enemy makes his most powerful attacks are the very places where the greatest advances of the gospel will be made. Remember that light shines into darkness. It is, it is not the other way around. When you open your shades at night, darkness does not come in. Light shines out. Light is more powerful than darkness and will always overcome it. That's, that's something to meditate upon. Light is more powerful than darkness and will always overcome it. For the coming harvest, the Lord is preparing a great spiritual fishnet, which will be able to hold the catch that is coming. This net is formed by the linking together of his people. The strength of this net will be determined by the strength of the interrelationships and intercommunication of his people. The stronger the interrelationships and intercommunication, the stronger this net will be. This is not only happening in the local churches among members, but between ministries, congregations, and the different streams in the body of Christ throughout cities, states, and crossing international barriers, barriers around the world. Ephesians 4.15 states, we are to grow up. In all aspects into him who's the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitly and held together by what every joint supplies. A joint is not a part, but is where two parts come together. 
There's a great fitting together going on in the spirit now, and it will increase on all levels. With each new joint, there will be substantial growth and edification for those who are joined. Now, we're in the beginning stages in this city. I believe this, that God is going to have to, to, to move upon the hearts of the ministers. I've been here, we've been here 30-some years, and I've, I've, I started out with ministerial association, and I was the new kid on the block, and I thought a lot of them were just elitist and arrogant, so I quit. I don't hang around people like that, especially when you hear them say, how many are you running this week? I'm not here to compare my ministry to your ministry. It's one ministry, one body. But I believe in the days ahead we're going to see God move upon the hearts of Lutherans, Methodists, Episcopalians, amen, word of faith, even the Baptists. <laughs> amen. The spirit, is, the spirit is compelling pastors to get together with other pastors. Prophets with post, prophets, apostles with apostles, and even whole congregations are beginning to visit and interrelate with other congregations apart from their own circles of emphasis. This is the Lord's doing. Now, see, that's why Patriots United is so vital. That's why Convention of States is so important. What's this, what, what does that do? It gives somebody a vision. And then people can rally around that vision and they come from all walks of life, different ministry backgrounds, different churches, different denominations, and it causes people to focus on a goal. That's what we're, we're doing this afternoon, bringing people from all over. And I'm not going to stand up here and promote Harvest Church because that's not the purpose. I just don't flow that way. I don't toot my own horn and I never will. But if you will do what God calls you to do, fit where he wants you to fit, work where you're supposed to work, and be faithful and serve, God will promote you. Don't ever forget that. It says, the Lord is beginning this breakdown of barriers with the, with this, the leadership because this is where most originate and where they are the strongest. As the walls come down here, the entire body will begin flowing together. If the leaders resist this move, the Lord will continue it through the congregations. These will begin to relate to other members of the body of Christ and their bonds will grow stronger regardless of the opposition from resistant pastors. This is a move of the Holy Spirit that cannot be stopped. The pastors and leaders who continue to resist this tide of unity will be removed from their place. That's a sobering thought. Some who are presently in leadership that resist this move will become so hardened they will become opposers and persecutors of those who are accomplishing the Lord's purpose. Kind of sounds like the early church, doesn't it? Others will be changed and will repent of their hardness of heart, even though in some cases the resistance to the Holy Spirit will have disqualified them from leadership. This growing tide of unity in the church will ultimately reveal the true nature of everyone in spiritual leadership. Those who have been building for themselves and their own reputations will be threatened by this move because it is beyond their control. Those with a controlled spirit will continually be the greatest threat to the true moves of God. Those who have been truly ordained by God, and not just an institution, will become increasingly determined to give up control over their people and circumstances, deferring to the Holy Spirit. 
The control they relinquish, relinquish will be replaced by a spiritual authority grounded in the peace and rest of God. What is coming is beyond any man's ability to control. What is coming is beyond any man's ability to control. Only the Holy Spirit can order this work. And he's now starting to take this, his authority. Those with a control spirit will be the greatest opposers of every move of God until the end. Because of the magnitude of the catch, this net will be rent many times and will be in need of constant mending. Much of the discord now taking place in the church is used by the Lord to prepare those whose task in the harvest will be almost exclusively devoted to the mending and binding of this great net. These peacemakers will have a great part in building this net and will have a major impact on the effectiveness of the entire revival. Those that seem to always find themselves in the middle of conflicts conflicts should be encouraged with the knowledge that they're being prepared for a great work. So if you are one of those people, maybe God's raising you up to be a peacemaker. Even with the awesome presence of the Lord, there still will be bickering, disputing among the disciples, just as they there was before among the twelve. Even great apostles like Paul and Barnabas allowed issues to divide them, and it will happen at times with even the greatest man of God. Even so, the net will get mended and will become even stronger where it was broken. Some who were greatly used of God in the past will have become too rigid in doctrinal emphasis or too entangled with spiritual Ishmaels to participate in this revival. Some of these will try to join the work, but their interrelationships will be so superficial that they will be quickly torn from the net by the first catch. Those who are linked together by doctrine or who gather around personalities will quickly be torn away. Only those who are joined by and through Jesus alone will stand the pressure this harvest will bring upon the church. Let me say that again. Only those who are joined by and through Jesus alone will stand the pressure this harvest will bring upon the church. The redemption of so many will bring much joy to the church. But these new converts... Now, I want you to listen carefully to what I'm about to say to you. Are you listening? The redemption of so many will bring much joy to the church, but these new converts will come with problems. I'm going to read this real slow. Which will bring enormous stress to congregations and ministers. The cords of unity must be very strong to withstand this pressure. Those who have not learned to take the Lord's yoke instead of carrying the burdens themselves will be overwhelmed. Entering the Sabbath rest of the Lord will become a major emphasis in preparation for the revival for for harvest. We must heed his word. I'm almost done. He says, a large number who are now considered Christians. Are you listening? Remember, this was written in 1987. A large number who are now considered Christians have never been led to the Lord. That's right, I will. A large number who are now considered Christians have never been to the Lord. Do you know how many people go to church? They're sitting in churches all over this city that aren't even born again and don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. They were led to the church to a personality or to a doctrine or emphasis. Some of these will think they are important links in the net will actually become part of the harvest. 
starting over again on the proper foundation of relationship with Jesus. This will include a number of well-known ministers and pastors, their humility, and this will lead multitudes to question and strengthen their own relationships to the Lord. This will do much to undergird and encourage the entire body of Christ. Denominations, extra local fellowships and circles of emphasis will begin disbanding and severing their ties, even those that were ordained by God for a season in order to be a part of this great net. For some, these ties will be ignored or forgotten until they passed away almost without notice because of the greater intensity and substance of this new move. For others, it will be a very painful rending as they are persecuted and rejected by those who do not understand. The pain of these broken relationships will not last long for those who must endure them. A true church life that has been the desire of Christians since Pentecost will soon be realized by those who have not lost their hope. Some leaders will actually disband their organizations as they realize they're no longer relevant to what God is doing. Others will just leave them behind to disband themselves. Ultimately, all circles of ministry or influence with individual identities will dissolve into a single identity of simply being Christians for all who become part of this harvest. The present streams and movements will eventually flow into one river of life. When this happens, nothing will be left that can stop or even hinder the force with which it flows. It will sweep about like a great flood that carries away everything in its path. And we all know about what a flood can do. Don't we? Every fortress of evil... And lie which exalts itself against the knowledge of God will be swept away by this great river. As the different streams of light begin flowing together, their power will become concentrated like the greatest laser from which there's no protection. The cloak behind which every religious imposter hides will be stripped away so that they are apparent to all. This light will ultimately become too bright for any darkness to hide within the church. Single presbyteries will form over cities and localities. These will be made up of pastors and leaders from many Many different denominations, movements, and independent churches. Their unity and purpose, as well as that of the various congregations, will be a marvel to the world that it that is itself degenerating into chaos and paranoia. As Paul wrote to the Corinthians, I thank my God always for you, for the grace of God which was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in him in all speech and knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you're not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. The church at the end of the age will have this same testimony of Christ confirmed in her, not lacking in any gift as she waits eagerly for the revelations of our Lord Jesus. Now, I'm not going to probably read out of there in the days ahead because we're going to go into a a series about the harvest, but just please read that book. Then once you've read it, read it again. It'll keep fanning the flame in your heart. Keep the fire going. Folks, we got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of work to do. But hopefully I, I can help, by the spirit of grace, we can... I can minister messages to you that will stir your hearts and so you'll realize that you're part of all of this. Everyone has a part to play. And we need to hook up together. And uh, as we get new people in and get people saved, I got a call this week from a young man. I shared a Wednesday night. 
And the first thing he said was, what'd you do to me? And when preachers hear that, they go, oh, my God, now what? What'd you do to me? And I said, Cody, it's not what I did to you. What did God do to you? He got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. He said, that that freaked me out. So I spent half an hour on the phone with him. That's just an example of what's going to take place in the days ahead. Not not everybody, I can't deal with everybody. You better know how to talk to people by getting filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, the purpose for it. It's in the Bible. If you don't know your Bible, then you're not going to have a a good, easy time of teaching them. If you've not experienced it either, this last end move of God, I believe everybody's going to get filled. I said, everybody's going to get filled and speak with tongues. So I pray over this congregation. Every member speaks with tongues. Get with the program. Get with the program. God's moving. Let's stand to our feet today. There's a purpose for everything God does. He's equipping us for the days ahead. Amen? we got to get ready. We have to prepare. I, I've been toying with this, and I don't know how if this was the Spirit of God or just me. Wishful thinking on my part. I think Sunday should be just spiritual boot camp. How many of you military, ex-military? Raise your hand. I know Ron was a Marine. You were in the Navy. Terry was in the Navy. Any Army? Um, Kim was in the Army. Air Force. Okay, well, we've got about every branch represented. Heathen bikers. But what was boot camp like? Rough. Huh? Hell week? Hell week. For a reason. And if you didn't cut the mustard, you were out. You didn't make it. So we've got to prepare, folks. I can't lead someone to Christ. Who told you that? What voice are you listening to? Everyone here should be able to lead someone to Jesus. Everyone here should be able to lay hands on their head and get them filled with the Holy Ghost so they speak with tongues. Everyone here should cast out a devil. Not just the preacher. Pastor Mike, could you come over to my house? Why don't you do it? That's probably what I'll tell you. So now nobody's going to call me now. Because you can do it. Father, today I, I thank you for the anointing that you're pouring out upon your people in these last days. Thank you, Father, for these harvest truths to be ingrained in our spirit in our mind, will, and emotions. Lord, by your Spirit, stir the hearts of everyone at Harvest Church to begin to realize they have a part to play. They have a place to fit into the body of Christ. And so, Father, I thank you. You're raising up bold, courageous believers at Harvest Church, not weak, wimpy ones. But I call the people of Harvest Church... In the name of Jesus, strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. 
doing great exploits for God in the days ahead, just as Jesus did, going about doing good and healing all that are oppressed of the devil, for God is with them. Signs, wonders, and miracles follow the people of Harvest Church. Their speech is always with grace, seasoned with salt, so they know how to answer every man. And so, Father, we thank you, Father. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow every member of Harvest Church in the days ahead. And we thank you, Father God, that you confirm your word with signs, wonders, and miracles. Lord, I'm asking by the Spirit, Holy Spirit, I ask you to arrange these people's days that they will cross the paths with unbelievers that need Jesus. Even this week, Father, I'm asking you, Lord, to arrange a meeting with with unbelievers. And Lord God, they'll know in their heart, this is what Pastor Mike was talking about. I have favor that surrounds me as with the shield, and I can open my mouth and share some scriptures, and it can be planted in the hearts of that unbeliever. So I thank you, Father, the steps of the people of Harvest Church are ordered of the Lord. So we thank you, Lord, for the harvest, the spiritual harvest in the days ahead. We thank you, Father, you are a supernatural, miracle-working God. And everyone shouted, that wasn't very good. And everyone shouted, yeah, that's better. Amen. Amen. Anything else? Um, If you can attend today, yes. Yeah, would you do that here? Do you have a mic? Oh, sorry. He's all right. Uh, I work with a guy that goes to the Hilton Church. They've been very impressed by what they're doing. Father God, I just thank you and praise you. And, and Father, we just glory in you. Amen. Lord, we just thank you for Pastor Mike, Pastor Kathy and Micah and the rest of their family, Father God. We have special blessings over them in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you direct their path, Father God. We thank you that you give them wisdom and the power of your might, Lord. We just want you to bless them and nourish them. 
with directions that you have for them, Father God, that they lead us, their leaders, Father God, that um, the anointing of you would be on them always in Jesus' name. And we plead the blood of Jesus over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I received that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. You know, you know what?